It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I am Paul Doolan, joined this week on the phone by Dave Watson. Hello, Dave. Hello, Paul. I think I just bumbled over your hello and welcome to the pod. Oh, I didn't hear you if you did. We're not starting again. We're not slick professionals. The slick pro is away this week. There's no Fergus Craig. He is in Mm. Thailand. A little sex holiday. Yeah, it sounds amazing until you... I got a message from him saying he was still up at one in the morning with a very jet-lagged baby. So I just... told him this. I don't know if you listened to the last podcast, but I said that the flight over there is going to be horrific and, like, the little one is not going to enjoy himself. And even Fergus was like, I don't know why we're taking... Like, <laughs> I don't know why we're going on this holiday. He's not going to appreciate it at all. It's just... I was why why not just have a staycation? Just you know, go to the yeah. Peak District or something like that. But no, uh, they've gone to Thailand or Vietnam or somewhere somewhere bloody miles away. Yeah, but you know what they greet you with at the airport? Is it Bangkok? He flew to? I'm not sure. But the uh, the sign they greeted him with, you know, when you had the taxi pickup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fergus Craig isn't the most Asian name, so you can. You can account for them getting it a little bit wrong. But mm-hmm. they got there and their driver was holding up a sign that said, sign up and deposit up to £50 and Ladbrokes will put the same amount into your account, giving you up to £50 worth of free bets. So that's, that's Crowbar. way off, though, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the worst. <laughs> a, hey, it was better than, than last week because uh, Fergus couldn't find the, um, the bit. So, honest to God, we must have recorded about five minutes of ramble that we just had to edit out because we we couldn't do it. But that was all right. Um, Yeah, a steady six. Speaking of which, on to the Palace game. Did you see the game? I did, but do you not want to talk about the Burnley game as well? Of course, yeah, we've not had one. Uh, No, because it was two games in a week. Um, Yes, I watched both. Mm. Um, I think, to be honest, it's a 
they're, they're pretty similar games. Um, obviously, in scoreline and in um, a bit frustrating. I think the Burnley Burnley performance was better overall. Um, certainly, uh, the like the Kennedy looked very very good in the first game. Looked yeah. a little off the pace in the second. But I thought I he still looked good in the second, but not as good. I think the first half of the Palace game was very good performance. Yeah. And the same same bloody story we've been um, singing all season, but for the, for a decent striker. I mean, mm. had we had um, a decent striker against Burnley or a striker who could finish a penalty, um, we could have been two, three goals up by half-time. Yeah. The other thing um, as well, even if you don't have a decent striker, if you've got midfielders chipping in with goals as well, that doesn't tend to matter as much. But I think it says a lot that our top scorers are Hosselu and Lascelles. Mm, How many? Not great. Yeah. Have any of our midfielders got more than one goal this season? I like maybe Perez. Oh yeah, Perez will have. Him, if, if you're counting him as a as a midfielder, which uh, frankly you're well within your rights not to. Um, I think I'm just I'm just having a look now to see who else has scored. I mean, Saiva's got one. Marino's got <laughs> one. Diame, probably our best player at the moment, has got one. Well, At- Atu's got two uh, this season. Perez has got two. Kieran Clark's got two. Mo Diame's now got two. Mitrovic, Saiva, Hayden, Murphy, and Marino all on one. But and yeah, Dwight Gale's got fifteen. <laughs> yeah. We said at the beginning, of, before the season kicked off, that um, he might be good for um, 10, 12 uh, goals a season. I think Fergus was even saying like 15, but... We were um, wrong. We were so wrong. We are often uh, wrong, and it's good to admit yeah. it. But then, the, so the Burnley game specifically, did you, did you actually get to see it? Yes. And it took what, a while to find we, a stream. I thought... I mean, the problem is, I think my standards of watching football have been lowered so much by Newcastle that if we string mm. two passes together, I'm happy enough. So they know oh, we look quite decent <laughs> for half a minute there. But we weren't too... The problem is, that was the best time probably to play Burnley. They're in such poor form at the minute, even though they then went on to draw with Man City, which doesn't make us look too bad. But it felt like that was... Three points were there for the taking... Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you consider the, as I said, in the in the first half, I can't remember how many how many shots we actually actually took, but we were we were comfortably the better side in the first half. We should have we should have scored. That was a you know it was a clear penalty. It wasn't a dodgy penalty, and we'll come up to that come on to that yeah. later. Um, it was a clear penalty and. Like a lot of people I saw on Twitter were having a go, like, why is Hostin taking a penalty? But I mean, were, were there many other people on the pitch that you you'd have ahead of him without the, the benefit of hindsight? Because frankly, no. I mean, would would you have wanted Perez? Probably not. Um, maybe Marino, I think the thing with Hostin is he does seem very uh, brittle. I guess when it comes to confidence. Yeah, but yeah, I think that is just the benefit of hindsight. I think when he stepped up to take it, you didn't think, "What the hell's he doing?" Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I think when we... he took it, you did because it wasn't 
don't know if you can call it a penalty. It looked like... Do you remember one year, I think it was Robbie Fowler got a penalty for Liverpool and insisted it wasn't a penalty, so just passed it back to the keeper out of sportsmanship. (laughs) It sort of looked like that. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. I I do think that like if if your if your striker's low on confidence, a great way for him to get confidence is by scoring a goal. And one of the best ways to score a goal, like the the easiest chances he's going to have in the game, is probably a penalty. Yes, it's a pressure moment, but then Hoslip hasn't really looked like he's shirking. You know, he's not like going missing in games. He's you know he's trying to get into the position. It's just. His abilities let down, so I don't think it's necessarily a a confidence thing. I think I annoyingly that, for a striker, it's just his finishing that lets him down. Yeah, the Which, rest of it, unfortunately, fine. is the key thing for a striker. Yeah. Um, but like, I thought, I thought uh, other than like Hosselu's, uh miss, you know, penalty miss aside, um, talking about good features from the game. So Darwin had a good game despite the what's gone down as an own goal, which I think is a bit harsh. Yeah, that seemed a harsh, but... harsh own goal. Yeah, um, like you say, Kennedy had a really good game. Diarme, um, Diarme, has been like he's our signing of the window. Yeah, fantastic. I think I he's think genuinely that... probably the first name on the team sheet at the minute. Him or LaSalle. Yeah, have to be. Uh, and also, I know I gave him a lot of criticism before uh, before the season kicked off and saying that he, we have to replace him. But Dummett being back in the side, Dummett looks so much yeah. better than Mankilo or um, Bemba out of position. Um, He's very solid. I thought in both games, like the Palace game as well, but in the, the whoscored.com, I think you got me onto them, mm. their team of the week for that week with the Burnley game, Dummett was the left-back. I think if you're yeah. judging it purely on statistics like they do, he did have a very good game. I think he, yeah. he does I, offer us something at left-back that Mankio doesn't. He's just not great going forward. Well, I think I, I might have tweeted it out that he, he always, when, he's, you know, when he does cross the halfway line, he always looks like a centre-half who yeah. picks up the ball and drives forward and then has literally no idea what to do next. And I think he, the ball and sprints back. Yeah, or do you remember Quantum Leap? <laughs> yes, at the I beginning, I mean, <laughs> at the beginning yeah, when he morphs on. into someone's body and then realizes like what time period he is and whose body he's in, <laughs> he's sort of like that once he gets in. I always imagine oh, there's boy. an invisible guy next to Paul Dummett just saying, "Ziggy can't figure out how to get you back into the into the defensive half. We're going to try and work on this." Oh, he's a, he, I tell you what, he's a quantum heap. Oh, yeah. Shit. But then on the other um, side, you've got Yedlin who pings forward all the time, but then mm. seems anyone can get past him. Yeah. Somebody mentioned something new. It was during the Palace game. Um, they were saying that Richie looks like he's sacrificing his his attacking freedom to give Yedlin more protection on the, on, on the right. And if that's a decision that Benitez has made... For him, then you know about a Rafa's greater knowledge. Yeah. But I would have thought with Yedlin's pace and with the because we don't we don't throw people forward willy nilly. You know we're not we don't we rarely overcommit. So I think I think we could probably afford 
to be playing either Richie in a more free role if if he's being you know restricted by Rafa Benitez or playing Murphy or Atu or someone like that who is on that wing who can bomb forward and cause problems you know occupy yeah. their their fullbacks I don't think Rafa would I don't think Rafa would play a more attacking winger with Yedlin very often I think if we had Mankio at right back then Richie would be given more license to go forward or you'd see Murphy I think the reason it was Richie and not Murphy is because Yedlin's weaker defensively and he was up against Wilfred Zaha as well so I think there was rightly a feeling that we had to double up on him I think against different teams we'd have a different combo down the right but I think Richie did have to sacrifice a lot of his game but then he's not looked particularly good attacking wise anyway for the last well for this season really no, no, not at all. Neither Shelby, to be honest. No. Um, one thing I did want to say is Kennedy. Yes, he, he you know, he, he's exciting on the ball and he he, he commits players and gets past them <laughs> quite quite frequently. But his quality from a dead ball. Yeah. I think that I think that's going to be a big part of his contribution to our season, whether we stay up or not. I think um, we because Lascelles is a threat from. From uh, from corners, we saw that you know Diama is a threat in the box in current form. Marino's decent Clark. in the air. Clark's decent in the air. Well, that's why um, Richie's managed to get so many assists without playing that well because he's got a good dead ball. But there's a bit of competition mm. there for that because Kennedy's got is it two assists in two games? Yeah, and he won yeah, the penalty I'm, as well, so it should really have been three in two. Yeah, I just think he's. Um, it should have been three and two. Yeah, uh, I think. I think he's. Uh, I mean, we'll come on to that in, in a bit. What did you think defensively? Uh, what did you think of us against Crystal Palace in the second half? Why do you think uh, there was such a difference? I think we looked obviously pretty poor, but more mm. worryingly, we just looked really nervy at the back, which we hadn't had for a while. And I'm not sure if that comes from Darlow or if it comes from the rest, but there seemed to be weirdly Lascelles and. Uh, Kieran Clark, who seemed to have mm. had a great understanding a lot of the time, looked like they hadn't played together at all. I think that was no, some no. of that. I think has to go down to Darlow's kicking. His distribution's so bad that the ball just ended up coming straight back at us. Which again, because yeah. we only had Gale up front, that's going to happen as well. So it was it was just constantly under attack, and there's no composure trying to get the ball away or trying to pass it. It's just hoof it back up and wait for the next one. And I, yeah, I thought that was, if that is the players not taking instruction, um, that's because the players aren't very good. Um, if I can't imagine it was Benitez's plan to go long as often as we did. No. Um, when, when we've got somebody as as poor in the air as Dwight Gale, and I mean, I think that's why Marino was brought on towards the end. I think yeah. that was to give us a little bit more height there. But, but I think there was just at... a sense of panic across the back, and I mm. do think that comes from Darlow. He just looked nervous. He was sort of flapping at crosses. He's a very good shot stopper, but yeah. I, I think there's a reason why we've been wanting to get a keeper in for so long, and why yeah. we finally brought one in. And I think we'll see. What's his name? I keep want to say Dubrovnik. Dubravka. Dubravka. That's yeah. it. Dubravka. <laughs> in yeah. the next game. Do we think there's a there's a bad vodka called Zubrovka? Uh, and when when I saw that we signed him, I just um, 
my alcoholic brain just went immediately to, oh, should we, should we get some vodka into the house? <laughs> I think for his debut, if he does play against Man U, you should have to do a sort of Zabravka challenge. Where you, a shot of Zabravka every time he either kicks... Is it every time he does something good or bad? Should we punish you for him playing well or or reward it? I'd, I'm not sure if he'll be... It's that weird thing with keepers because you can't, you can't bring him on for 30 minutes. You know, no, I think you know he'll start you, the next game. You think? Yeah. I'm, not sure if we'll, I'm not sure if we'll throw him in against Man U. But we've got Bournemouth after them. And I would I would expect us to I th- I think we I think we'll stick with Darlow for the next game. Um, I'm not sure. I think if Benitez thinks he's his strongest keeper and he's yeah. had a, a week of training, he'll chuck him in. But you might be right. I think if you yeah, signed him, you point. must think he's ready. Yeah, but then he signed if, Matt Sells, um, so who knows? <laughs> I don't know if Slamani's going to be fit for the Man U game. They so seem to think of... he will. I'd still expect. Um, I wouldn't expect him to play the full game if he's coming back from injury because mm. it would just be, it would be, panic stations if he were to come on for, you know, start the game and then go off after thirty minutes with a, with a reoccurrence of his injury. Yeah. I think it would be wiser to play Hosselu, um despite his poor performances lately, simply because he holds the ball up better than Gale. Doesn't yeah. hold the ball up brilliantly, but better than Gale, and and he finishes as badly as Gale, so it's yes, sort of does. a no-brainer. Although Gale did score against Man U in the reverse fixture, yeah, in the season, but I, that's when he looked like he. Had, they both look shot of confidence, but if you've got two strikers with no confidence, and one of them can at least hold the ball up and bring others into play, yeah, then yeah, it does feel like and we, we're not, silly. and we're not. We're not finding gaps in behind players because Shelby's not playing particularly well, and as we mentioned before, like Darlow's distribution is not great. Yeah. So it's not like it's not that we can draw them onto us and then hit them on the break. And Gale's pace in the Championship embarrassed a few teams, but in the Premier League, it's a different ball game. Like yeah. Yedlin was was the fastest player in the league last season. This season, you know. There are there are wingers that he can't keep up with, yeah. or if he can, like like Zaha. Zaha was rapid. Yeah, and, or even against Burnley, Aaron Lennon. Sort of, it's just every yeah. week he's going to come up against someone who's close to his level. Yes. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> oh, one other um, thing in the Palace game because there was a. Yeah. Oh, actually, two other things. The, the penalty we should talk about. I mean, by the letter of the law, it is a penalty, but I think Benitez quite rightly said you'd have 10 a game if they were given every time. Yeah, like, I've got no problem with that being given as a penalty if it was given as a penalty consistently, and it's not. It, it's Again, there's, there's no conspiracy, there's not an agenda, there's no, like, FA plot to put us down. It's just, again, we're, we're on the unfortunate end of... Um, yeah, of a of a decision, and it it is just bad luck. Like another ref, I've said it before. Another ref or another linesman on a different day doesn't give that. Um, we got away with another one later on where Shelby had a fistful of someone's shirt, and that's stupid. That was a more blatant one, but I think what was going on there is Shelby, kind of like you, thought these never get enforced, 
I'm going to expose mm. the hypocrisy of modern day refereeing. He was making a political point to the uh, the refereeing union. I think you may be overstating John Joe Shelby's, you know. It's uh, either that or he's awareness thick. of the wider. I refuse yeah. to believe John Joe Shelby's thick. So it's clearly, just making what a political was, point. What was the other? You said there was a penalty, and there was one other thing. Oh yeah, one of the best tackles I think I've ever seen in a game of football, which was. You didn't actually see it during the game. It was only later. There was Scandinavian television showing it. The steward on the pitch invader. Did you see? If you've not seen it, I can't recommend highly enough finding it. it yeah, was, I'll retweet it. I've, oh, I've seen it both. It's, amazing. it's like a flying rugby tackle round the neck. Of a, a, yeah. a running football fan holding a bottle of beer, which I don't know why that made it better, but it definitely did. Bizarre, utterly bizarre. But I think that's uh, that's it for the Palace game, and we're going to take a quick ad break now, and then we'll be back shortly. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello, and welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Dave Watson, you're still there. I am the ads weren't here. so good that you had to run out and buy whatever it was. I'd like to say a Volvo, but we're probably not classy enough to get that level of advertising. The bingo? Maybe Suzuki Swift? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be all right. Just a serviceable um, hatchback. <laughs> so I've been looking at the, the replies to Twitter. I asked a few questions. Oh, um, Yes. Thomas Burkham, um I asked just for thought, and, and Thomas Burkham's been in touch. He said, um, Swansea have beaten Arsenal, Bournemouth have beaten Chelsea, West Brom have beaten, Liverpool, have beaten Liverpool. Are Rafa's tactics too cautious against the top six? And I'll ask you first, and I've got an answer. I think there is some truth in that, but I don't think our tactics are necessarily that cautious against the top six, only against Man City. They've got a lot of attention in the media. I don't think we've been. We've always had a chance in games, so you'd have to say it's not overly cautious. But I do think there are. The problem is the times against the top six when we've kind of got pasted. So against Chelsea and Man U during that terrible run, they were times when we did kind of attack those games. You have to be able to beat the top six, and we've only picked up one point against Liverpool. We just we just haven't had a a match winner. Realistically, like yeah. the the wins that we've got have been either um, surprising or they've been uh, against West Ham and stuff. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like grinding out one nil wins. Like keep it keep it tight at the back, punish them on the break or punish them um, at a set piece. That's that's what we have to do because of the playing staff we've got. So no, Thomas, we're not too cautious. We're just shit. I think there's something in what he's saying, but I do think we can carry on playing the way we have been and with a now we have a 29 million pound striker up front Mm. that will I'm sure that will make a difference I think Slimani on paper looks like he should make a huge difference isn't someone who went to Leicester and flopped he's managed goals in the Premier League there but he's just he's unlucky enough to have been signed at a time when Jamie Vardy's ahead of him and they only play one up top yeah 
And I, like he scored, like you said, he scored before he joined Leicester. He's big and powerful. And even if he doesn't hit the ground running uh, with goal scoring return, he's much better at holding the ball up than Hartlepool. Which means he can we can bring in players. He's more of a threat in the air, certainly. So even mm. if he's not scoring, he's going to be causing problems in the uh, in the uh, in the box. And you never know, like. Atu might tuck in the rebound or whatever. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like he's going to be a threat, and that's much more than Hoslu is or Gale is. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I think it's a very good thing. I think it goes overall to the, the transfer window. We went in, still not in the relegation zone, strengthened where we needed to. Kennedy already looks better than what we've got, or at mm-hmm. least as good as Atsu. I think the the issue, my problem with the the transfer window is because our expectations were so low. I mean, I honestly didn't think we'd get anybody else other than Kennedy. Mm. I just couldn't see, you know, the first rings being released and brought in two loans and uh, keepers being identified by Benitez all season. But we did bring in a striker, and yes, he's on loan. So it's not like a permanent signing that we can all get excited about because we know we've got to give him back at the end of it, probably. But he is much better than we've got. And He's much better Dubravka, than we could have signed for actual yeah, money as well. Yeah, that's a, re- that's a really good point. And Benitez keeps saying the one aim for this season is just to stay in the league, get the mm. money and then actually build next season. So I don't, I don't quite buy into the thing of we shouldn't be loaning players and we should be signing them. We can loan a higher quality player now and that will, if that's enough yeah. to keep us up, then we can sign big money players next season or whenever. Well, I, t- I tell you what, we wouldn't have been able to sign permanently Kennedy. No. He, wouldn't, he wouldn't have joined Newcastle long term. He's joined us to get game time to show that he's good enough to play for Chelsea and return to them probably when Conte goes. Slamani has joined us to score some goals, get his confidence back, to get in, you know, to get himself an, either a new contract or like at least a playing position at, at Leicester or uh, get himself a decent move to a to a decent club, um, a club with ambition and, and a club that's going to pl- play him a bit. And Mr. Dubrov, you know, I don't know anything about him other than he plays in nets, but I'm guessing if he's come to us on loan, it's like the other two. It's either to um, guarantee him a starting position when he returns or to get a permanent move to a club, you know, away from his, away from the, you know, maybe in the Premier League. I mean, mm. everybody wants to play. In the well, Premier he's the only one that's alone with an option to buy out of those three. So I think we can get him for about it's something like four million pounds. So it's it seems relatively low risk, but then I'm sure there are other keepers we would have preferred to have got. Although when we were linked with Joe Hart, I was quite pleased that we got anybody but him. Yeah, I think the I think the Joe Hart thing was just lazy, um, lazy journalism. Um, similarly, we were linked with, like, I mean, there was talk about Javier Hernandez. There was talk about um, Andy Carroll, us re-signing him. Never linked with him. Just... Weird. Sorry, we're never linked with Andy Carroll, but <laughs> any time, <laughs> unless there's a day with a Y in it. It's fucking stupid. It really is. Like. I, I imagine there are some people who um, aren't as football obsessed as, as maybe you and I, but who get their information from literally like the, the, the gossip pages of the Sun 
you know that they're, they're not clued into the the bigger game to know that 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 link was absolute horseshit, and it was there just to sell some papers. It's there must be people out there like that, but God help wow. them because. It's fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> so I asked, a, I asked, a, I asked a couple of uh, questions, and uh, Bill Mann um, he replied with Huddersfield and Stoke are in free fall, so that's two spots. I think every week Southampton keep keep their manager is a gift to us. Got less than we deserved against Burnley and more against Crystal Palace. So that's net one point dropped. I think he's saying that we'll stay up. Mm. Um, but, but you know, because Huddersfield and Stoke are in free fall, um, and uh, I don't know about Southampton because they've got they've got a lot of good players. Yeah, um, I think it's. I don't. I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna actually struggle for that much. Like, I mean, where are they now? I mean, they're only they're only a point ahead of us. Um, they've got decent goal difference, uh, better than us, and you know, it's it's the best in the bottom. God, they've got the best um, in the in the bottom half. Uh, so you, I, I look at that and I think I think West Brom are down. I don't think anyone's. Nobody can really be called as down yet because we. I'm sure we've said this loads before earlier in the season. Everyone looks capable of putting a great run together. Like suddenly Swansea are in amazing form and well, capable you, you of beating. Say that, but the, nobody's stringing like two. Of the, nobody's stringing like three games in a row three wins in a row rather um, and that's what you need to, to really get yourself out of it because just winning one game doesn't matter cause I think it does this season up. though because everyone's in poor enough form that you see it like West Ham not that long ago suddenly get two wins in something like four games and they're up to 10th and seem out of it but the, you say that but then you were saying like Watford aren't out of it yet and they're still in the because West Ham aren't out of it because they're three points off Huddersfield yeah. So Huddersfield could conceivably win two in a row, and West Ham could win. We could lose two in a row, and then West West Ham are right back in it. I think the difference with the difference, bizarrely, the difference for us is we just keep chugging along, not conceding a lot, and you know picking up a point, picking up a point. I think the, the problem that, <clears throat> like, excuse me, the problem that West Brom has is they've got a a manager who is want to go on a long streak without winning. And if if they get another run like that together, they're in trouble. And the signing that they made, like Daniel Sturridge is a very, very good striker, but I, he's an arsehole. And I could quite see him... <laughs> he like, might well keep him up, but the other the striker that he's kept out in the last game, Jay Rodriguez, he suddenly mm. started scoring. They've... They've not put together a great run, but with the bottom of the league as it is at the moment, you don't need to put together a great run to get yourself seemingly clear. It takes a couple of wins. It doesn't mean you're out of it altogether, but we're yeah, we're that... just as much in it as them. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that we're not in problem. I'm just saying that if I if I were to look at the you know you you look at the 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 games that they've got next and the games that we've got next and all the rest of it, and you could pick out. Well, we're not going to get any points next next um, uh, you know this this weekend. And who've West Brom got? Um, play, it looks like they're playing on a Monday. Yeah. Well, they've got they've got Chelsea. They're away to Chelsea. Chelsea, who Chelsea are currently team. losing to Watford. Yeah. As we record um, this. Yeah, but that could go two ways. It could either be a. It could be Conte's last game tonight, 
and he could get the boot and they could bring in, I mean, Chelsea, Jesus, they could bring in, you know, outside of the, the top managers who are in clubs, uh, jobs at the minute who are doing really well, you bring in anybody that they want, really. So a new manager bounce or maybe just getting rid of Conte will give some of their players a, a spur and they, you know, and they could smash West Brom. I mean, to wear at home to demand you, Huddersfield and Bournemouth are playing each other. Could go either way, to be honest. Um, West I mean, Bournemouth are one of the form teams in the league now. They're, I think they've got something like four wins in the last six. I think yeah, but if, if, and they were down they, and looking in the relegation battle not that long ago. I think the point yeah, is that everyone looks capable of getting a couple of wins together to get out of it, apart from us, who just keep picking up points, which might prove to be enough as well. But I think he's right. I mean, it's going to hinge on whether there's three teams shitter than us this season. I think they're just about are. Well, yeah, because you, you look at the... So the um, you were saying that uh, we're in pretty poor form, but we're in the same form as Southampton. It's just that they won on the weekend and we didn't, you know, we won five... Five, uh, five games ago. You look at Huddersfield, I mean, they've lost five on the bank and they're facing, like you say, the informed team um, of the clubs that you would say are in trouble. Um, I think... I there think are teams in worse form than us. The problem is they've, most of them had spells early on in the season where they've picked up a lot. Like Burnley are in terrible form, but they're safe. Mm. So it'll be, yeah, it'll yeah. be tight, but yeah, I think... This is why I worry that picking up draws isn't enough against some of the weaker teams. Like the Burnley game in particular. That was the perfect time to play them. It's very different to last season when we were picking up wins playing badly, albeit in a much easier division. You do we're sort of hamstrung a bit at the moment where we need to play really well to get an unlucky draw that we should have won. Yes. I think Looking at the, I mean, the, the trouble for all the teams down at the bottom. Nobody's really got like a either an easy run in where you can um, you can count them out of the problem because they're going to end the season with. Well, this is the thing. There's no like mid table who are comfortably safe, not going to get in the the top, you know, in the top six or seven, and not going to get relegated yet. You know, you, you maybe about, Everton, like, but. That's... They're in shocking form as well. Yeah. They've lost four out of the last six. And and they're yeah, they're four points clear, but with the players that they've got, you it's Everton, so you'd expect them to to do better than, than say if um I don't know, like if uh, if Southampton were mid table at the minute, you know, if they were sat yeah. on thirty odd points. I think Everton and, and Burnley are the only ones you can look at and think they'll probably not get dragged into it. What, and Leicester and Bournemouth? Yeah, sorry. Uh, Bournemouth still could, but yeah. Leicester, I think you'd have to say, are safe. I think just like the way that Sam Allardyce will set up that side, it is to not concede many. And they've got the players like Balcott now, Rooney, that can win a game with a turn of the boot. Everybody else is in the fight. Everybody. And I think our... The, the, the business that we did in January wasn't as good as it should have been, mm. but it's better than we thought it would be. And if Slomani can get unlikely goals against the top six and 
he can put away the games that we've been struggling to put away, like Burnley and Crystal Palace level teams. We could conceivably, I mean, we're not going to go on three win, three games in a row. Uh, we might. Momentum's important. I, just, I wish Swansea were playing a bit worse than they are at the moment because they've suddenly started winning games. But our next game, moving on, Man U yeah. at the weekend. I say, is it a Sunday Sky Yeah, game? it's a Sunday um, uh, quarter past two kickoff. Ah. At St James's. Which is a bit of a bogey ground for Jose Mourinho, if we're going to clutch mm. the straws. <laughs> I think Slimani will be available, if not starting. I think you're right. It's probably wise not to... If he wasn't fit enough to make the bench against Palace, then it would seem a bit of a stretch to throw him in for a full 90 minutes. It is, it is a bit much to throw him in, I mm-hmm. think. I, um, I was just wondering, like, is this is this a game where, despite the fact we've gone a stack of games without winning, is this a game where you would set up not to lose? Or... Because of our form recently, would you want to push on a bit? Would you would you want to uh, be a bit more? I don't think they're. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't. I wouldn't set up like we did against Man City because I don't think we'd have to. But I think there'd be there'd be periods where we'd have to batten down the hatch. I think Benitez is quite good in the bigger games where teams can be a huge threat. That we can go to sort of five at the back if we're under the cosh and then and sort of one up front and then on the counter-attack, suddenly two up front. He's good at having a sort mm. of more fluid formation against the bigger teams. I mean, they're in, they're in decent form in the Premier League. They've, you know, they've comfortably beaten uh, Stoke. They got past Burnley. They, um, they did lose to Spurs, but then, you know, Spurs are a very good outfit. And they, they got past Huddersfield with, without too much too much drama I would I would like yeah I would set up with I think that's part of the reason why we've been um, rotating the squad as much as we have is to to keep the the key players for the big games coming up a little bit fitter so that we can and and maybe using like the because like Shelby's probably not going to get on the ball as much against Man U and he doesn't really offer much if he's not getting on the ball whereas Diame all his energy and all the rest of it uh, is valuable. And I think if you play like a Marino, Hayden and um, and Diame as a, as a midfield three with Kennedy, if he can, you know, if he can give us another 60 minutes like he did against, uh, against good against um, Crystal Palace and, you know, maybe Richie, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of faith in him. Yeah, I'd like and to see Murphy just because he does look minutes. capable of putting the ball in the net. But yeah. it depends. I think... Much in the same way we have Kennedy, and you feel a, there's a bit more balance with Dummett behind him, so it's not too attacking. I think Murphy with Mankio behind him wouldn't be the worst idea. Mm, I think yeah. we, you need some sort of. I'm not. Where's Sanchez playing for Manu at the minute? Is he playing more as a striker, or is he on the left or right? Because he can seemingly play anywhere across the front three. Well, it de- it depends how they set up. Um, you know, because because. Uh, Mourinho is is quite comfortable playing with like three at the back and um, and wing backs and stuff. And if he's playing wing backs, then he'll probably ask Sanchez to play more centrally. 
if he's playing uh, with a, a back four, and then he'll have Sanchez uh, either wide left, I'd assume it would be wide left, and then he'll play with Lukaku through the middle. Um, I don't know if... Um, so I think I that could see Richie in again, just the same sort of tactic as we had against Zaha. Yeah, just try and... Yeah, try and defend for our lives against them. I think our mm. best our best chances against Man U are uh, set pieces. Yeah. I think they're they're you know they're very good. They are man for man. They're they're better than us, obviously. I don't know, but I think if <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you've got like um, if you've got the quality going into the box that, that Kennedy can seems like he can supply quite frequently, and Richie on his day and all the rest of it, then I think you have to use height. Uh, because it's a great equaliser. So if you've got Hayden, Marino, Hoslu for all his, you know, for all his faults, Diame, and obviously the Selden Clark as threats in and around, and then with the pace of Yedlin and you know whoever like Richie, and keep them as you know further back to cover the um, to cover for the counter. I think you you go in there and you kind of just overload it, and it just panics people and. They, I think that's our best chance because honestly, mm. I can't see the score from open play. The one thing that makes don't... me quite optimistic about this game is if you look at when the bigger yeah. teams have come to St James's, Man City aside, because they're, I mean, they're just the best team in the league by a mile. But Spurs, yeah. we easily could have got something out of as well if it wasn't for Shelby. Liverpool, we deservedly got something out of, and it's not the same pressure we have in our home because our home form is abysmal. But there does seem mm-hmm. to be a lot of pressure on the team. Whereas I think if it's Man U coming to St James's Park, the crowd will be completely well, behind the team all the way through. It won't be like when Burnley or Brighton sit back and it's just you know it's going to feel like a dull well, game all the way through. That's why we've struggled so much at home, I think, is because teams can come to St James's Park sit back and look to hit us on the counter or just absorb us for 60 minutes, wait until the, tr- the crowd gets either restless or apathetic and then kick on for the final 30 or something. Mm. Against the, the bigger clubs, they have to attack because they need three points. Otherwise, it will be embarrassing for them to come to a newly promoted side and not go for the win. So I think... We can we can benefit from that and just checking on who scored now. Uh, it was saying that one of the weaknesses that Man U have is stopping teams creating chances. So that maybe shouldn't that was be one. a problem for for them this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they could they could literally like the guy could literally just hand Hossley the ball. They put it in on his feet, show him the open net, and the the lovable Spanish donkey would still put it wide. Mm. I know what you're thinking, though, Dave. I can read your mind. What odds are Ladbrokes offering on this game? It's a good question. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's the right question. Newcastle are nineteen to four to win, and the draw is eleven to four, and the best value bet is two two draw at eighteen to one. I don't know what makes that the best value bet. I can't see us scoring twice against Man U. <laughs> I would eleven to four. For the draw, um, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't 11, see that as terrible. If, if if you could double that, or if you could make that a double chance with like um, a, a draw with both teams to score, you'll get decent odds for that. Because I think 
if we're going to get anything from the game, we have to score. Um, I think if we if we or don't hide. score, then they'll hide the ball yeah. for ninety minutes because <laughs> they they will score. You know, you can put your house on it. Um, I think if we're going to get anything from the game, it'll be a score draw. Um, and I think if you, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what odds Ladbrokes would offer on. Um, it's not in the draw, email I've received, Dave. Though, so is it not? I'm, but, I'm not, I'm not going to rifle, rifle through. I tell you what, I'll have a look after we finish recording this podcast. I'll tweet out what Ladbrokes are offering uh, a score draw with both teams to score. You're so on brand, well, Dave. Sorry, you're so on brand. Uh, honestly, I'm, it's a I'm, level of professionalism you, when Fergus is away that you just don't find normally. <laughs> this is with, with, with Fergus. He's he's so. So easily distracted. I swear he's got ADHD or something like that. He, he just enjoys the little flights of fancy and stuff. I think the thing think, you can't um, see because you're on the phone. When we're doing the pod, I'm always holding my car keys up in front of him. That, usually, that distracts him. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what that is. Should we have a quick prediction yeah. for the game? Um, off the back of that, I'm going to go uh, punchy 1-1. I'm going to predict 1-1 as well. And finally, while we're on the subject of score draws, I don't know if you saw in the Chronicle this week, but it's now seven years since Newcastle 4, Arsenal 4. And I would highly, highly recommend going onto the Chronicle and finding the article they had about it. They were interviewing Steve Harper, Joey Barton, Kevin Nolan and Jose Enrique about it. It was it's quite hard to find yourself getting goosebumps over a draw, but it really does mm. do it. Yeah, it's written by uh, Mark Douglas. Yes. Um, he's on Twitter. It's uh, I think he's at MSI Douglas. Um, uh, he, he quite frequently puts up some absolutely cracking articles. A lot of the time he's like hamstrung by the fact he's got to produce something on a daily basis. For a, for a club that has a fan base that whose appetite for the any news about the club is absolutely voracious. Yeah. But this piece he's done about four four, it, it gives a lot. It gives real insight into the the team spirit that we witnessed from the stands. Um, but from their point of view, mm. and it was really nice to read that. Um, them saying like the, the the Williamson penalty was never a penalty, but they felt that because of the noise of the. The, um, the stadium asking for the penalty, and because it was such a cauldron that no ref in the in the in the game would not have given that penalty. Yeah, um, and you can, there's and, one uh, yeah, amazing I, bit in there as well where it was even Nolan or Barton that was getting the ball out of the net after we got one or, or might have been our second back, and they heard Chesney saying like we've lost it or we've cracked or something. And that yeah. just spread around our whole team like wildfire. And they just all thought if it was another five minutes, we'd have won that game. But yeah, it's it's very I rare to get have... excited about a score draw from seven years ago. And it, it does come <laughs> with the caveat of being massively depressing that that was seven years ago. Because like yeah. time's I mean, yeah. marching on and we're dying. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's good. You've met my mate, J-Mac, the, uh, the Arsenal fan. Yes. And um, he, he finds it, he finds it hilarious that we've got a DVD out for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> it is and kind it, of hilarious. It, it, it is a little But it's a much better game than so many of our wins. I think it says a yeah. lot more about the players and the nature of sport and being underdogs. So, 
Oh, yeah. Fuck your so, mate, yeah. Dave. Yeah, yeah. Even though I like yeah, him, he's well, a nice guy. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a good lad, but he's a twat. Um, right, but yeah, I think we need to wrap go, it up Go and read that article, everybody. Yes. Go and read it now. Yeah. And read it right now, and there will be a short test. We'll hold on here while you read it. We'll have four minutes of silence and then return for a test. <laughs> That's not really going to happen. I think we're going to wrap it up now. So we will be in your ears again next week. God, I've done a Fergus. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the pressure of the end. So, Dave, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. It's goodbye Cheers. from me, and goodbye to you, the Natter listeners. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.